And during the winter months, we do stay laser focused on skiing and snowboarding. There's a lot of other resorts that put in other attractions like zip lines and alpine slides and mountain biking, things like that. We don't, we refer to those as distractions. So we wanna be the best ski and snowboard resort that we can possibly be. Hello everyone, welcome back to Ordinary People, Extraordinary Things. I am your host, Cliff Duvinois. Right now, it is ski season and I love to ski. So imagine my surprise to find a ski resort in the northern part of the Lower Peninsula that's got a real focus on being the family affordable option. And I'm talking about Caberfay Peaks. Today, I'm joined with one of the co-owners of Caberfay Peaks, and that would be Pete Meyer. Pete, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. And I didn't know that I didn't know that was the name of the podcast, but I'm definitely a very ordinary person, so this, <laughs> this will fit well. Great. Why don't you tell us a little bit about where you're from and where you grew up? So I grew up in the town of Cadillac here. I'm currently employed in, at Caberfay Ski Resort. It's a family business. My dad and my uncle got into it back in the early 80s. There's a tremendous amount of history with Caberfay. Caberfay was one of the first ski resorts to open in not only the Midwest, but the entire nation. So there's a tremendous amount of history. It opened in 1937-38. Uh, and operated for a long time as a nonprofit entity. Um, and it started under the combination of the Civilian Conservation Corps, the uh, U.S. Forest Service, and the local Chamber of Commerce. So they opened it, cut the first ski trails in, put the first uh, rope toes in, and then ran it for a long time. And then in the 70s, they, I should say the late, the mid to late 60s, they wanted to raise some funds to put in a couple chairlifts. And, and they did that. They sold stock to some individual members and ski club members and end up buying the chairlifts and weren't able to uh, pay for it. So it ultimately ended up filing for bankruptcy. So that's when it went from public to private. And then my family got involved after that point in time. So they, they had ended up buying it from the bank in the early eighties. So this was your, this was your father and your uncle who bought it. That's correct. Yeah. You grew up practically in the ski business. I did. I grew up as, you know, grew up on the, on the hill skiing. I grew up uh, working here, pretty much every department, helping wherever I could just because I had to. And then you when I graduated, yeah, that. exactly. When you grow up in it, you can't really get away from it. So then when I, when I graduated high school, I couldn't get to, I couldn't wait to get away, you know, not only from yeah. here, but the town of Cadillac as well. And uh, as the last thing on my mind of cut was coming back here. But as you move away, I went to, went to school at University of Notre Dame and uh, had an accounting degree. So I'm a certified public accountant practiced public accounting for three years in Chicago and then a couple of years out in Denver after that. So that was great experience. I got exposed to a lot of different businesses in a very short period of time. After that point in time, I just started communicating with my dad and he was recruiting me pretty heavily to come back and ended up uh, moving back here in, in 2001. So what was it that made you move back? My dad actually was going through some, some health problems at that time. He was having a knee replacement. They had uh, a couple of key personnel leave here. And so he just wanted to look into some kind of transition or exit strategy for him and, and was recruiting recruiting pretty hard. I ended up had a lot of discussions with my wife and we ended up we ended up coming back and subsequently had a lot of conversations with my cousin Tim, who at that time was uh, working at Winter Park, Colorado as a ski patroller and he had been out there for 10 years. And I knew it would be a little bit better if we, we came back and did it together. So communications with him, he ended up moving back six months after after I came back here. And so he now runs the mountain operations, everything on the hill. He'll, he overlooks the uh, snowmaking, the grooming, the ski patrol, the maintenance of, of, of all that as well, the chairlifts. And I pretty much have everything else or the, more of the base area and the business end of things. So I'll oversee 
the ticket office, the rental operations, the ski shop, all the food and beverage outlets, the hotel, the housekeeping, accounting, and all the marketing and HR. Now, one of the things that initially attracted me to come to Cabrefay was the fact that you guys have the tallest hill in the lower peninsula. We do. We do. So we actually have the highest lift serve peak in the in in all of Michigan. So there are higher points in Michigan, but they don't have a lift on top of them. And gotcha. there's also some ski resorts with more vertical, but our top is higher than, than those other elevations. One of the things I would like to explore with you is this family affordability that you have with your particular ski result. And, and I say that because what brought, really brought it to my attention was when I took a break from skiing and I went over to grab a meal, I was shocked that I could get burger, fries, and a soda for $10, which puts you on competition with the king, the clown, and the colonel. Yeah, right. You know, right? It's well, like going well to McDonald's, you yeah. know? So talk to us a little bit about keeping those prices that way. Because And I ask that question because a lot of ski resorts are expensive, but it seems like you are a very family affordable option. You hit the nail on the head right there for us. And that kind of defines who we are and what we want to be. A, we want to provide value. We want people to come here and walk away from here saying, hey, that was that was a really good time and that was worth it. I, I want to do that again. And we do that in a number of different ways. One, we try to provide a good on-hill experience with the snowmaking and the grooming. Two, we try to provide value with the, with the food and other things when we're here. But more importantly, we started with some of the lift ticket value. We came out with a $99 weekend season pass that, that we started doing in 2000. And it's a little bit higher now, but it really created value for families. So you could have a family of four, could spend less than $400, and then they can recreate all winter long on weekends, Saturdays and Sundays are days that they can recreate. You know, it really made it a family-friendly place. On top of that, we, I think, are one of the best ski resorts in the area that allow people to bring in their own picnic lunches. So we have quite a, a crock pot scene here. It's pretty neat. We used to allow them into our main lodge, the big red building here. We had crock potters on the lower level and then the cafeteria on the upper level. Two summers ago, we renovated an, an old dilapidated lodge called the Skyview Lodge. That was built in the early 60s and had a lot of had a lot of issues structurally. It had been leaking ever since I could remember. The roof always leaked since ever since I've been alive. So we, we had a structural engineer come out and assess that and then ended up renovating that extensively uh, last summer. And now that whole lodge and that entire square footage is, is dedicated to, uh, to crock potters or, or those families packing picnic lunches. So now to this day, you know, we want to be very family friendly. We want to be very welcoming. We want to know your name. We have a lot of longtime employees that know a lot of the customers and it's, and it's neat to build that rapport and welcome them back year after year. So with running a ski resort, what would you say are some of the biggest challenges that you have to face? Well, I think number one is, is weather. You know, we, we battle the ever-changing weather in, in Michigan and in northern Michigan. And number two is staff. You know, we have over almost 225 to 230 employees here. And it's just a lot to manage with, with the staff. A lot of them are part-time, seasonal. A lot of them are high school kids, college kids. So... Between those two things, those are probably the most different aspects of, of operating a ski resort. And I know as far as the weather goes, you can kind of stack the deck a little bit in your favor. Because like you said before, you've got the snow machines out there on the mountain to produce snow. We did. And we didn't always have that. When Tim and I moved back, it was we had a lot of maintenance. You know, my dad and my uncle had just done a phenomenal job of, of redeveloping the ski, ski resort. They had put in a couple chairlifts, redeveloped the hills. 
added vertical to the hills, built a big day lodge, added the golf course, built the rental, rental building, this ticket office, the pool out in front of the hotel. So they did a lot of just really good things. And then we just, you know, we're, we came very focused on um, just refining those things. And also uh, we had one year, it was 2006, Tim and I still talk about it to this day. It's, it was a really marginal year and we barely could make enough snow to get open. And we had one run open during the whole holiday week and we survived on one run. And we're looking at each other afterwards and we're thinking, you know, that's, that's a little too close for, for comfort. So really since that year, we have invested very heavily in snowmaking year in and year out. And uh, right now we have a completely different snowmaking than we did, snowmaking system than we did 15 years ago. So now we can make a tremendous amount of snow in a very short period of time. We're going through more freeze thaw cycles where we have good weather and then, it, and then it warms up to. 40 degrees or it might which rain. Which we just went through. Which we just went through, right? And then the temperature dropped. And thankfully today we received five inches of natural snow overnight. So that does the same thing that our snowmaking will do. It will refresh that snow surface and bring it back to a good skiing condition. But had we not got that, we would have been making snow to do the same thing that that natural snow did. And we, and we have snow gun towers, fixed towers everywhere throughout the hill. Uh, so we can turn on, turn the guns on, run them, run them at night, groom mix it in to the existing base and then ski on it the next day. And it's, and it's been good. It's been a nice process. And with that, I think our customers are learning to be more confident in ski conditions, you know, not just with us, but other, other resorts in Northern Michigan as well. They, they also have very good snowmaking systems and it's, and it's been a good thing for the industry. Yeah. Cause sometimes you got to help mother nature along. We absolutely do. <laughs> when you're talking about installing like all these machines and, and everything else that's, that's in there. The question I'm, I'm kind of curious about is the recovering of the cost. Cause I know that it's not cheap to get those machines and it's, it's you got them all up and down the mountainside. Cause it's not, you just can't put snow in one area. You got to have it from the top of the hill all the way down to the bottom. So what kind of balance do you do between, yeah, we've got to get some new equipment in here versus keeping this family affordable. So it's a great question because, because the answer to the snowmaking question isn't, isn't just about buying some snow guns, you know, it's way more complicated than that. So not only do you need the, the snow guns, but you also need the, uh, the source water capacity, which would be the wells, the coming, the pumping capacity, which is the pumps from the pump house, the piping capacity, which is make sure your, your pipe's not undersized and you have enough piping on the ground to, to handle the flow. And then the, the electrical capacity, because you, you have an underground of, you know, electrical web of all 440 volts run into each snow gun, the water lines run into each snow gun. You got to keep everything in a balance and it's not just an easy answer of buying a couple of snow guns and putting right. them here. For us, you know, we only had a, a very few number of portable guns back then. And now we have over 150 snow guns and a lot of them are on fixed towers, Sweet which, Moses. which makes it, it makes it a lot easier because with a portable, you have to, the nice thing about portable is you can use it to make snow in, in several different locations, but you, you also have to you know, manually dig out that gun, move that gun, get it out of the way, push the snow, groom it. So with towers, it makes it quite a bit easier to do that process. You just need more of them. But so we continue to weigh that, that process and, you know, we can't really put a price on, on snowmaking. It's just so important without getting the snow made and some runs open. We, we can't sell a lift ticket, can't sell a cheeseburger. Right. We can't rent any equipment, can't sell any lessons. So everything starts with the snow. And with that, we are going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. When we come back, Pete's going to share with us how Caberfay wants you to keep enjoying the ski sport, how parents can overcome that sting of always buying new equipment for growing children, and what the future holds for all of us at Caberfay Peaks. See you after the break. Are you enjoying these amazing stories? 
Michigan is full of people that are doing some pretty extraordinary things. If you want these amazing stories sent directly to your inbox, head over to TotalMichigan.com, enter your email address, and get them today. What are you going to get? I'm glad you asked. First, you're going to join our awesome Michigan community, and it is quite awesome. Second, you will get an email that includes the top five interviews from the show sent directly to your inbox. This is going to include the powerful lessons that we've learned from these amazing people. Third, you're going to get exclusive behind-the-scenes information about the show. There's a lot of things that are happening to grow this movement beyond the confines of just a radio show and a podcast. You'll get advance notice of upcoming guests and early access to their interviews. You'll also get a link to our Facebook group. Now to get all these goodies, just head over to TotalMichigan.com slash join. Enter your email address and join our awesome community today. Welcome back to Ordinary People, Extraordinary Things. Today, I'm chatting with Pete Meyer, co-owner of Cabaret Peaks. Pete, you mentioned before that you have a ski school. If you would, share with us why beginners, and actually almost anyone for that matter, should attend ski school at least once. You know, a ski school is such an important part of, of every ski resort because, A, when people come here, uh, we want them to learn and have a good time. If they can learn the fundamentals and learn how to stop and learn how to turn and ski under control, this sport becomes really, really enjoyable. Yes, it, it does. It does, right? And it's also <laughs> about safety too. You don't want to yeah. go up there when you can't do that. So we put in a large emphasis on that. Our ski school does a great job of teaching. They teach all kinds of, of levels, but the majority of which are beginner uh, levels. And it's great to continue to introduce people to the sport of skiing and snowboarding and the ultimate goal with these instructors is to have this person want to come back, right? I always tell the instructors, they're the only employee that gets to spend a whole hour with one customer at a time. You know, a customer might call, you get a phone call, you get the, a quick interaction at the ticket window or a quick interaction in the cafeteria and the rental, but they get, they get a whole one hour or maybe two or whatever they've booked with this person. So they'll have the most significant impact, whether that person is going to come back and ski, you know, not just at Cabrafe, but anywhere to convert them into more of a, a skier for life instead of a one-time skier. So they can have a profound impact and it's very, very important. What do you look for in a ski instructor? You know, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting because we can, our staff will teach them how to teach. They really just need to be able to identify and relate with the person. They have to understand what they want to get out of the lesson because once you get beyond a beginner level, Lesson there, people want different things. You have to be able to understand that and give it to them. And you have to be able to identify with them and, and give them what they want, make them feel comfortable and at ease. And ultimately be safe and have a good time and have fun. It's all about the, it's all about fun. It definitely is. And then another aspect of your business that you have is actually selling the ski equipment as well. What are some things that people should think about if they're saying, you know what, I'd like to get the season pass to Cabaret and equipment rental is a part of that equation as well. You you definitely rent equipment here, but I know it's for some people out there, it's a little bit better to buy their own equipment. So what are some things that people should be thinking about if they're looking at equipment? You know, it's always better to buy it. It's just easier to have it every day. So you don't have to go through the rental process. Our pass prices were so low. We did have a lot of pass holders that would come and rent, uh, you know, just trying that out each time they came up. Um, and then ultimately, once they get into their own equipment, it's better. It's better for them and it's better for us and their experience here. We don't have a retail ski shop, but we do have a, a demo center and shop where we'll buy some of the brand new and latest and greatest skis from some of the leading manufacturers. And what's neat about our, our program is, is skiers can try before they buy. So that's one thing you can't do in a retail ski shop 
because different all skis ski different ways. Uh, some one person might really like this ski, who's a really good skier, and not like another ski. And the other person would come in and have the exact opposite opinion, just because they feel different underneath your your foot. So it's nice to be able to to go out and try it, and then they can and then you can buy it. And so we'll sell off that demo fleet at the end of the season. Uh, they're on sale now, and then uh, we'll buy another another set next season. But a lot of times we'll we'll partner with other retail ski shops because we'll carry the same skis that they have in the shop. So early season, if they would come out, hey, I really like the ski. Okay, hey, you can head into head into town at the local ski shop or, and and get it there, or or other ski shops in areas like Grand Rapids or in other popular areas. And with regards to the ski equipment, from what you're saying is it's better to actually try the skiing first before you get the equipment. Well, I think so for two different way, two different reasons. One, at the beginner level, you somebody might not want to make the investment in ski equipment, right? And they'll come out and they can rent. Okay. Once you know you like it and you want to buy a pair and you don't, and you're looking to buy a new pair, it's really nice to be able to try it before you buy it. Absolutely. Just because you, you're going to pick the right ski for you. You're not going to walk out of the store with one that looks nice, but then you don't, don't really like it when you're on the hill. Right. And if you're looking for affordable options, there's a list of ski swaps around the entire state that all happen preseason. They usually happen September, October, and November. Uh, we always have a list of those that we refer out to people looking for equipment too, because that's a way to get it a little bit more economically. Um, you're looking for used equipment and that just at least gets you in your own, your own boots and your own skis. That really helps. There's also ski shops that have some really good kids training programs. Like Bill and Paul's down in Grand Rapids has a great program where kids grow out of their boots pretty quickly yes, and they, they grow do. out of their skis pretty quickly. So not all families want to make an investment in that when they're going to have to buy a new pair of the, in the next year or two years later. So these are really nice programs that allow you to, to, to get your kid outfitted throughout their growing years and not have to buy a new pair every year. You've also made a really heavy investment into leveraging social media to connect with your online community. It's part of the industry here. Like one thing that's neat is we get different weather than even where our main market comes from, which is the greater Grand Rapids area or the Lansing area or the Midland Bay City Saginaw area where people are driving up from. It might not be snowing there, right? But we're getting snow. And it's really important to be able to, to show them that and show them the updates. Also, it's important to be able to show that our ability to make snow and, hey, we have snow. Because there's a lot of cases where they're sitting in their home downstate and there's no snow on the ground. They're not thinking about it. And it's important to, hey, to let them know, yes, yes, we're open. Two, we have plenty of snow. And three, the conditions are pretty good. So come on up and, uh, and here's some looks into our social media to see. And then we also work with you know, we'll do a lot of posts locally here, just a lot of the timely stuff. But then we have a, a guy by the name of Jeff Boss who owns and runs Montage Media, and he does some of the higher end videos and some of that work. And we have a nice relationship with him. He started out just dabbling in some videos. This is a great story too. He was he was uh, selling cars here in town and always had an interest in doing some video production. And we had a Facebook contest way back then, and he actually won it. Okay, it was a one minute video and he put together this really neat video just with his iPhone and, and it was neat. And so we started communicating. I'm like, hey, Jeff, we should do a little bit more of this. And then so I, we hired him to do a few more videos and he really, it was his passion, it was his love. And then he, and he came in and sat down and we worked on an arrangement to, for the whole winter to work. And then that gave him enough to quit his job. And then he had enough business booked in the summer. And so now, now he's blown up and doing fantastic and doing a really good job 
on his own and probably doesn't need Cabrafay as much as he did back then, but we certainly sure need him and hopefully, hopefully he sticks around. Uh, I hope he does too, because your guys' Facebook page is, first off, it's really active. A lot of people engage with it. And second off, I got to give you compliments because your, your content on there is just extraordinary. I mean, I find myself evangelizing. Well, <laughs> well thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. As far as like activities go, is it just winter time for Cabrafay Peaks or is it also open in the summertime? Do you do biking? Because I know some places do that. Like they, they take the bikes up to the top of the hill and bikes down. So we're, we are, yes, we are a year round business, but at the same time, we're very seasonal, probably um, 85% of our business in the winter months. Okay. And during the winter months, we do stay laser focused on skiing and snowboarding. There's a lot of other resorts that put in other attractions like zip lines and alpine slides and mountain biking, things like that. We don't, we refer to those as distractions. We want to be the best ski and snowboard resort that we can possibly be. And those take resources away from that. So we're going to continue to do that. We're going to continue to expand our skiing continue to improve the base area, continue to improve the lift infrastructure. Uh, we put in a new chairlift in 2016. We just put one in, in in 2022 this past summer. We have plans to do even more. So we just want to continue to stay focused on that. As far as the off-season, we have a nine-hole golf course. We have a 39-room hotel. And our main summer business is, is the banquet business. So we'll do a significant number of weddings from mid-April through early November. And those are really neat because we have such a unique setting. You know, since we're primarily a ski resort, there's not much happening in the summer other than some walk-up golf traffic. So a bride and groom could come and book the lodge, but not only that, they could book the entire hotel. They can do their rehearsal dinner here. They can have a gift opening brunch. They can do the wedding ceremony here. So really, we have a lot of drive-to destination weddings and a lot of our um, uh, bride and grooms come from downstate just to get away. And it's kind of neat because they can take over the entire resort and have a really intimate setting and not have to leave. Was the hotel original to this property or was that something that your dad and uncle added? No, that was original. That that was built in the late 60s. So it was built in 1968. And that too was in really rough shape. So we've completely renovated the inside, renovated the exterior. You know, when we got here, we had dial, when I, <laughs> 2001, we had dial TVs in the rooms. We had no phones in the rooms and we had wow. duct tape on carpet. I mean, it was, it was not a place that many people wanted to stay. Believe it or not, we've, we've outlived the need for phones in the rooms. Now we don't even, before it was a big deal and now, now it doesn't even matter. So we were ahead of our time. I like to say. I got to give you credit for that because if you, if you would have told me that these buildings were 1962 from the outside, I would have told you you were crazy. Cause that I asked about the hotel because that over there seems like it's maybe built like within the last 10 years. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for saying that. So we. We had, like I said, we had really focused on all of the, um, like the deferred maintenance and snowmaking for the first 15 years we were here. So those are things that you really can't put in the cover of the brochure. Nobody really cares if you fix plumbing leaks in the hotel or you're fixing snowmaking. Basically, they just expect it to work and they want it to work. So we got to about 2015 and we renovated the Blackmer Lodge, which is the big run building. In 2016, we added, in 2017, we completely redid the hotel built new balconies and, and changed the, the facade of that while working on the inside the whole time. 2017, we renovated the courtyard. It used to be a broken down parking lot in between the two buildings. Now it's a really nice outdoor wedding site and a nice skeeter drop-off. And we mentioned the, the Skyview Lodge a couple of years ago. So we just continue to, to do the things that, that are much more noticeable to the skeeter when they drive in. What's next for Cabrafay? It's a great question. We have some good plans this summer. We're going to continue 
some renovations on the backside of the Skyview Lodge. We didn't get to that. We ran out of time. So we're going to extend that, make that a little bit larger. And then we're going to add over 100 seasonal lockers as part of that. So we have a huge demand for that uh, with skiers that are season pass holders, but hauling their gear back and forth. This will give them a place to oh, store nice. their lockers and not have to haul it back and forth. So that's on the docket. We're going to continue with some hotel renovations and we're going to continue to expand our skiing and work on that slowly. And I also noticed here too, that you have a building for ski club members. Talk to us a little bit about that. So that's a, it's a private ski club. We don't own that. That's uh, it's owned by the members. So oh, okay. they're landlocked around us. They have obviously have access through us, but they're all pass holders. They all support cab. They're our greatest fans and sometimes also our greatest critics, <laughs> but we have a great relationship with them. We enjoy them. And uh, a lot of them are personal friends of Tim and mine. And, and, and it's a, and it's a, a really nice benefit to this resort. There's a waiting list to get in. So, you know, it's, it's a, there's a parking lot right there. There's lockers in there. There's a, a little cafeteria in there. So it's a really nice benefit for those people that are members. If somebody's listening to this broadcast and they want to check you out, maybe come on up here, what would be the best way for them to find you online? What would be the best way for them to go? Oh, no doubt. Just Google Cabrafay or Cabrafay Peaks, and we should be the number one search result and click on that. And I think the website's the best source of information. We have a lot of information on there. And as far as looking into pricing, we have a lot of, we do use dynamic pricing for our lift tickets. So generally the further you book in advance, the greater the savings. So if you buy a couple weeks in advance, you can get, you know, as much as 40% off your lift ticket. If you're going to commit to us that far in advance where we don't know what the weather's going to be like, we're going to give you a good deal for committing that far in advance. And so that tends to work pretty well for us as well in a way for people to continue to ski affordably and get a good deal. Pete, it's been awesome having you on the show today. Thank you very much. I appreciate your interest. Thank you. And for our audience, you can go to TotalMichigan.com, click on Pete's interview and see all the links for this show. While you're there, take a quick second to sign up for our newsletter, which is filled with all kinds of goodies, great behind-the-scenes stuff, and upcoming events. You definitely don't want to miss out. See you next week.